0: I think most of us are familiar with what is called the numeric pain scale. I'll put that up there on the screen. I became real familiar with this when I was working with hospice. You now, I was not a medical person, I was uh, the uh, chaplain. But every time I went to a person's or a, a uh, patient's home, this was supposed to be the first question that I asked How are you doing as far as pain goes? and we'd always use this numeric pain scale, and anytime somebody said that their pain was at least uh, five or higher, you can see up there on this scale, five or higher severe pain, I was responsible to call the nurse that had this patient on their caseload, and that nurse would come, and that nurse would dispense what was known as comfort meds. And in hospice, comfort meds are just medications not to make you any better, just to make you more comfortable. But if you ever wished That there were a pain scale for life. There are some days when life is just hard, when the stress is so much, when the disappointment or the loss or whatever it is, that you wish you just had that pain scale because you'd be like, oh gosh, I'm up there like five, six, seven. And sometimes you might even get up there to to eight or nine, where you just feel like the weight and the stress and the pain and the problems and the injuries emotionally, or mentally, or even physically, or even spiritually, where you just wish that you could have this pain scale so that you could communicate with somebody what's actually going on inside of you. And there's lots of different reasons for that. Maybe it's a loss that you've gone through in your life. Maybe it's an insult that you've endured, a failure. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's some type of suffering, a betrayal, rejection. I don't know. But if you're completely honest, it's like, gosh, yeah, this pain scale would be helpful to communicate what's going on. But the pain scale needs something beyond that. It needs actually somebody to ask. And so I would walk in as a hospice chaplain and I'd say, how much pain are you in? But I walk in this morning here to ask that same question, how much pain are you in? What are you going through right now? And maybe you're One of the fortunate ones, and we can put you all the way down there at zero. We're like, that's no pain. Or maybe it's, you know, one, two, three. Maybe it's just mild pain. And maybe you've walked in this morning here and you're like, oh, no, I'm up seven, eight, or nine. But on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate the pain that you are dealing with in your life right now? I'm asking. Let me ask one more question. Do you wish that I could offer you some comfort meds? For the soul, not something you can shake out of a bottle, but something that maybe I could say or something that somebody could do or somehow that some of that pain could be lessened at least a little bit. You know, it'd be great if we could just eliminate it, but even if we can't eliminate it, we could just take it down a few notches and we could just, you know, back the needle off a little bit. I think we would appreciate that and we like that because we do that. We work hard at that in life. We work hard at lessening the, the discomfort and the pain of life. And we work pretty hard at finding comfort in life. And we do that different ways. You know, in the extreme we do that sometimes through substances. And we, we hear stories about that. And maybe we've been caught up in this ourselves where, you know, it's, it's uh, alcohol or maybe it's drugs. And we do that. Why? Because we're dealing with a pain scale where we've got to do something to bring that pain down. Sometimes we actually do that with food. In fact, we have our cute little name for it. Sometimes we call it comfort food. But the idea is, you know, like I I eat myself into comfort somehow. We do that with distractions. We pack our schedules full. We binge watch something. The idea is if I can just, you know, keep myself so busy, I won't even think about it. And if I don't think about it, then I won't actually feel it. We do it sometimes with, with with I'll try to speak English here, with withdrawal. Like, I'm just going to go to bed and try to sleep this one off. And so we go to bed for, you know, the night and the next day and the next day. Or sometimes we just, like, I'm going to avoid people or I'm going to avoid situations. And we have all these different methods and tools that we use to try to bring down the pain on the life pain scale. And we aim to experience some comfort. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about this idea of comfort and how to find some, because I think all of us want to experience comfort, but the good news is this morning that all of us can actually experience comfort in our lives. So we're going to look at the book of 2 Corinthians, and encourage you to turn there, 2 Corinthians. And as we talk about this idea of comfort this morning, we're going to talk about it with this reference point that we want to turn our thinking a little bit upside down. 2 Corinthians was a letter that Paul wrote. He wrote to the church in, in Corinth. And that church was a church that Paul had started, a church that Paul had a lot of affection for. But it was a church that had a lot of problems and a lot of problems that were of their own making. But they also had problems and stresses that were not of their own making. But Paul with this church had a lot of back and forth. So we have two letters that are recorded where Paul actually sent to this church. We also see from those letters that he made visits to these churches. And actually, if we dive into the letters, there may have been as many as four letters that Paul had actually sent to the church. And 2 Corinthians may not have been the second letter that he wrote. It's just the second one that was kept. So that gives you a little bit of, of the, uh, the background here. But it was kept, and I'm glad that it was, because in this book... There are some really key passages, and actually some familiar ones, and as we go through this series in the next several weeks, you're like, oh, that's a familiar passage. There's some really key familiar passages and some really key familiar teaching. But where Paul starts in this book is on this idea of comfort. And Paul seems to think that this is the most important thing, and as we get into this book, we get the feel for how urgent Paul senses the need of comfort is, as he writes to his friends in Corinth. So let's read along here, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the church at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you pick up any of Paul's letters, so far this is pretty much what they look like. This is just his his opening lines, and he's just kind of saying, Hi, this is Paul, I'm writing you a letter, very standard greeting. But what he does next is not standard. So if you compare 2 Corinthians to some of the other letters that Paul writes, typically what he does is, this is Paul, I'm an apostle, I'm writing to you grace and peace. First of all, I miss you. Secondly, you know what? I really appreciate this about you. Thirdly, this is how I'm praying for you. And as we look at most of Paul's letters, that's the format that he follows. It's very personal, very much like, hey, how are you? I miss you. I'm praying for you. That's not what we're going to get here, all right? Verse number three Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And so Paul skips all the niceties and he basically says, hey, Let's just talk about the big issue on the table right now. At least as I'm looking at it, it's this idea of comfort because you guys are dealing with troubles. You guys are dealing with problems. You guys are dealing with stresses. You're dealing with defeats. You're dealing with pain. And he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction." so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We're reading this word comfort a lot, aren't we? For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Verse number 6 there, let me read that again. If we are afflicted, and he was afflicted as we're going to get to there, He says, we were afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you a patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, you will also share in the comfort. And so Paul mentions this word comfort in, in, in some form or another at least eight different times so far. But he's saying it to these people because he's like, I want you to be comforted. But he's hinted at the fact that he's struggling with this issue himself. In fact, he goes on here in verse number eight. He says, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. But first of all, we have no idea what this incident was. There's no way to cross-reference this. There's no way to go back. Sometimes we can go back in the book of Acts and find the, the situations that, that you know, set up Paul's writing. We have no idea what this affliction was, what this problem was. It could have been physical. It could have been a persecution. It, it could have been something uh, like a health-related thing. It could have been the attack of a friend. We don't know. But Paul said, here's what happened to me. I went through a situation that was so bad, I thought I was going to die. Ever been there? Or Maybe sometimes it's like so bad, I wish I could. Because I don't know if I can keep on going. This is just tearing me apart. And that's what Paul said. He said, I felt like we had received the sentence of death. And then he goes on, though, and says... So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And he has delivered us from such a terrible death. And he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again while you are joining and helping us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. And so there's a really odd start to this book here because Paul... Is trying to help these people at the same time. He's saying, hey, I have really struggled here. On the pain scale, I've been at a 10. And so as you know of my situation, let me assure you that I'm okay. But let me take that situation that I've been through and let me help you through your own situations. So there's a lot to unwrap here. Let's just start by making some general observations. First of all, this one, everybody suffers. We all face hardships and afflictions, pain, sorrow, problems, troubles. It's universal. We all have those times. And sometimes it's just, you know, it's simple as simple as we go to the picnic at the park or at the beach and the seagulls come and they, and they mess up the picnic. To something as bad as, you know, we've lost a job or, or we, we've uh, lost a relationship. But we all have these troubles that come into life. It's universal. Actually, in this book of 2 Corinthians, the word trouble is used nine times. So Paul's saying, you know what, I'm writing to you about comfort because you guys have lots of trouble. Trouble is part of the game. Secondly, some of our hardships are caused by faith. Some of our hardships and our troubles in life are just because we're human. It's just because of the human existence and and things happen. Some of it comes, though, when we're Christ followers, and sometimes we actually have to pay the price because of our faith. Sometimes we make a decision, and that decision is costly to us. Sometimes that is even in a relationship level, where I make a decision that I think is the right thing, but it really puts somebody off. And sometimes that's, you know, even in family situations, or maybe it's something at work, where you're like, you know what, there's a situation, and you speak up for it because it is right, and you pay the price for it. So sometimes our sufferings and our problems come because of our connection to Christ. Sometimes they just come. Thirdly, though, sometimes God keeps us from affliction. But I'm not sure when that is, or if you know that. Because since you've been kept from it, you have no idea. So everything that didn't happen to you last week? So we don't really know how to deal with that. More of what we're talking about here is the fact that a lot of the affliction and the trouble and hardship that comes, God just lets it come. And sometimes I'm like, I wish he wouldn't. And yet he says, you know what, I'm just going to let this come because when affliction comes, it says that comfort comes. And that's the important thing here: is that we can experience comfort. As we read earlier, eight times, Paul says uses the word comfort. It's like making a point, right? God comforts you, and if you missed it, God comforts you. And if you missed that, God comforts God, com- and He just keeps going and going. He says, "Comfort, comfort, comfort, comfort." And so we can experience comfort. And what I think is encouraging here. It's to look back and say, well, okay, we know that sometimes following Christ can bring the, the, the affliction or the hardship. Following Christ also brings the comfort. And as we read this here, it's not like it's offered. It's like it's promised. You will be comforted. It's not like, oh, I hope you can find comfort. Or if you want some comfort, I have some comfort for you.' That's not how that reads. If you go back and read that passage, it's the God of comfort comes and comforts us. And one of the perks, one of the great perks of being a Christ follower is the fact that we have the comfort of God in our lives. Now, one of the things that's interesting to me also in this passage is it doesn't really tell us how God comforts us. Just that he does. Now, there's one hint, right, when we get to the end of one of the things that God does to bring comfort into our lives. But the, the, the bigger point here is that when you're struggling, when you're going through hardship, you can be assured of the fact as a Christ follower, that he will bring comfort into your story. And so let's look at this word comfort, and we're going to look at this word as we start, and then we're going to look at four other words that are associated with comfort, another form of the word comfort, as we unpack this passage a little bit. So let's just start with this word comfort. It can be both a noun or a verb, but it's one of those words that's a little bit hard to define. In fact, in fact, I, uh, was looking at definitions as I was studying this week and and somebody came up with this great definition it's the state of being comfortable It's like well that's helpful we just used the same word to define it so how do you define comfort comfort is this basic idea of this it's giving strength and hope to someone it's giving strength you can get through this and it's getting giving hope you can get better So whatever it is that you're dealing with, there will be an end to this, or even if you have to keep going, there will be a turning point to this where you're going to be okay. And so when we come to comfort somebody, that's what we're doing, is we're saying, hey, let me help you through this, because there there is a through to this. It's interesting, the word for comfort in the Greek language is paraclete, and that's the word that we keep reading, comfort, that's repeated over and over. But some of you may recognize that paraclete is actually a name that's given to the Holy Spirit. He is the paraclete. Jesus talks about that in John. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you a paraclete. And the idea of the paraclete was actually a legal idea where it was like the legal counsel. So when you stood condemned at the table there... The counselor would come alongside you and represent you and stand and speak in your behalf. And that's the idea of comfort. It's this idea of coming alongside. And by the way, that's one of the hints of how God comforts us is the Holy Spirit comes alongside. But comfort is something we all need. It's something that we all desire. But it shouldn't be confused with this next word, which is comfortable. See, so there's nothing wrong with comfort, but there might be something wrong with comfortable. Comfortable, we might define it this way, as a state of bliss or rest or relaxation, where we can just take it easy, where we can relax, where we can avoid anything unpleasant, and where we can live in a world that's stress-free. You know, just, you know, cl- uh, you know, rainbows and, and, and balloons and And we strive for that in life. Sometimes we describe it even as our our happy place. And we want to be comfortable. But I'm not sure that our happy place is actually a healthy place. See, when we get comfortable, we have a tendency to become very self-focused, very much focused. What, What do I want for me? What feels good to me? Oh, am I gonna like that? Am I gonna enjoy that? Will this be easy? And it's, it's a time where we, we push back against all of the things that actually could be helpful to us. But we become self-indulgent. But the problem is this often becomes our objective. In fact, we say like a phrase like this sometimes. You know, I'm going to work hard so that I can have a comfortable retirement. So I can just sit back, take it easy. And, and it doesn't have to be retirement. We do this in a lot of areas of life. We're like, my goal is to be comfortable. And it becomes a basis for our decisions. So what can I do that requires very little effort? What can I do that will make my life cushy? You know, like, what, what is going to be the nicest for me? And so as we look at comfort, we don't want to confuse it with the word comfortable. Because comfortable leads to things like inertia, complacency, And all of these things are actually harmful to us in what God's trying to do in our lives. So I'm drawing a distinction here between comfort and comfortable. Let's go on to the the next word here. The next word is discomfort. This is something that we don't like and this is what actually puts us onto the pain scale. Something comes up in life and it makes me uncomfortable. And it can be all sorts of different things. It can be an actual problem that comes in our life. It can be just like starting a new thing, like your first day of school, that can be really uncomfortable, or it can, it can bring discomfort into our lives. Or starting a new job, or, or maybe it's it's on your job they give you a new responsibility. And it's like something you've never done before, or maybe it's like you sign up for something at church, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna lead this group, and I've never done something like that. That brings discomfort. Now we don't like discomfort. But discomfort can actually be a healthy thing. Here's the proof. Maybe now already, but you know, in 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, you're going to start feeling hungry. I wouldn't really call hunger painful, at least not to start with. But it's, it's, it's a discomfort. But what does that do? It drives me to eat. If I never felt hungry, I wouldn't eat. If I don't eat, that's not a good thing. Well, at least you know if it's extended. But discomfort is actually then a catalyst that brings about growth, or that pushes us to change. Discomfort's like, OK, pay attention here, because in this moment something can happen that will be to your benefit. Discomfort tells me that something needs to change. Discomfort, though, also is our pathway. change. I don't change while I'm comfortable. I change through discomfort. I try something that I've never tried before, and it feels very unfamiliar, very awkward, and very strange. And I don't like that. But as I continue to deal with that, that discomfort gives way to the growth and the change that I experience in life. And so actually discomfort is a great motivator in life as we pursue change. But discomfort is one of the best things that helps us pursue spiritual growth. And so, in my thinking, the great life of following Jesus should be the life of, you know, it's never uncomfortable, I'm always comfortable. And guys, like, no, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring discomfort into your life because in the process of discomfort, you're going to change, you're going to grow, you're going to become somebody else, and you're going to experience something that you couldn't experience anyway else. And that's really where this all starts to turn upside down. Because discomfort becomes a way for us to experience the comfort of God. And the comfort of God is way better than the discomfort that we have to go through to get there. Well, let's go to a fourth word here. The fourth word is the actual word comforted. And this is what Paul's making a point about, is I want you to be comforted. I want you to find comfort. And as we go through this passage, he lists four different ways that God's comfort comes to us and what it actually means to be comforted. The first one here, God's comfort is comprehensive. If you look back to verse number four, he says this, he comforts us in all of our affliction. He comforts us in all of our troubles and all of our problems. Every single one of them. And it doesn't classify these or categorize this. And then say he comes in the really big ones. When you're really going through the hard stuff in life, God will be there. When you're just going through the little stuff in life, God will be there. And this is the promise that comes here regardless of what you're dealing with, regardless of what you're going through, is that that comfort is comprehensive. Every problem qualifies. There's none too big, none too extreme. At the same time, there's none too small. And again, he just comforts us. It's not like we have to say, okay, God, I really need your comfort right now. No, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. We prayed it earlier this morning. And yet he comes and he comforts us at all times. Well, we keep reading there in verse number five It says. Just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. And so we learn the next thing. God's comfort is overflowing. It's not just that you have just what you need. It's actually that you get more than what you need. That's encouraging, isn't it? It's not like God's like, okay, we're not going to go any further here. It's like we'll go as far as we need to go, and then we'll go a little bit past that. It's overflowing comfort. Now, that's an interesting verse as you read that because it's a little bit hard to understand. Let me read it again, verse number five. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Well, we can look at that and say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that as we suffer for Christ that he'll make sure that we're okay? It could mean that. But the truth is we don't actually suffer um, we, we don't actually suffer with Christ. Christ actually suffers for us. And so this could actually mean that the way that He suffers for us overflows to us. If that makes sense. So just as our sufferings, Christ enters them into them in, in such an overflowing way that He feels them with us. So he offers his comfort to us in the same way. And so the idea, though, is that he takes on our comforts, or excuse me, our sufferings, they become his, and in its place we receive his comfort. That's more than sufficient, it's actually abundant. We keep reading here, verse number six, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces And you, a patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And he goes on here, though, and he says, no matter, in fact, we get down here where he talks about how much he's gone through. Where he actually gets down there in verse number 9, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, and yet God's comfort was still enough for us. It was horrible. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It's one of the worst things that we've ever been through. Even in that moment where I wished I could die, God's comfort was still enough. And so I said this word, his comfort is capable. And I don't know if that's the best word. You might find a better word there. But the idea is that no matter what it is, no matter how bad it is, his comfort is still better or big enough or, or capable or competent To overcome that. Whatever the trouble is, his comfort is more than. Maybe the best way to say that. So whatever you're going through, however extreme it feels, the comfort you receive can exceed that because it always is more than. And then he goes on, he said in verse number 10, he's delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. His comfort is continuous and ongoing. We live in a state of being constantly comforted. Even as you go through your life as a Christ follower, you are experiencing the comfort of Christ as you go. A lot of times I don't think we're even aware of that, but sometimes we are. Sometimes we face a situation and it's like, I don't know if we hear a voice, but it's like we get this, sense, like, oh, it's going to be okay you know, God knows what's going on in my life, or, or something comes up and somebody comes alongside and offers encouragement, or something happens that turns, but we find along the way that he continually encourages us and he continually comforts us. And so this word comforted, this is what God wants for us. He says, you not just can be comforted, but you will be comforted as a Christ follower. And then there's one last word here that we talk about this morning. And it's this word comforting. Because what's interesting to me in this passage is that Paul says, Hey, let me share my experience because my experience can help you. Let me share my experience because my experience can help full. Can help you. And in, in the big idea of this is actually that we can find meaning in hardship. We can find meaning in hardship. And sometimes it's like, well, what is this all about? Why is this happening to me? And like, I just want to be done with this, and I want to like, and, and this makes no sense to me whatsoever. And it may never make sense to you. God never promises in all these troubles that, we, that He's going to explain why. But he does say that there still can be some meaning in your hardship. And God adds meaning to our afflictions. And the meaning comes in in a couple of different ways here. One way that it comes to us is in that it produces in us, verse verse number six, it produces in you a patient endurance. And so in the process of the hardship, in the process of the comfort, one of the end results of that is that you will have more endurance. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather do without the endurance. Just <laughs> I'd rather skip the problem. And the point is, though, is that the endurance gets you to a place that you couldn't get otherwise. It gets you to a blessing that you couldn't receive otherwise. It's the endurance that gets you to the, the mountaintop. Sometimes the, the trek up isn't that fun. But if you can keep going. And the promise here is, the idea here is, that if you can go through this situation leaning on the comfort of God, you can get to the end of that and you can be a bigger person than you were. Your faith can be grown and your experience with God can even be greater. And so it's, it's a little bit like here, I've got a great offer for you. If you can deal with this affliction, if you can accept my comfort, you can come out here On the other side of this with this patient endurance that's going to make you a bigger better person in our relationship bigger and better too and so he can make our relationships matter in that way but he can make our relationships matter in the fact that we can help other people and as you read through this passage he says this is what I went through and one of the reasons that I went through it is so that I could help you you ever had that experience where somebody came alongside you and said, you know, and you're going through something, they're like, you know what, I've been through the exact same thing. And what they shared actually became helpful to you. I think I've shared this before, but uh, it's been so many years ago, but um, Kelly and I lost a a child, a a baby, and uh, I remember I didn't know how to process that, and I was sitting in in church one Wednesday night just in the back of the auditorium, there's a rehearsal going on, and Nancy Brown came down and sat next to me, And she asked like a thousand questions. And it was like the most therapeutic thing. Because nobody knew what to say to us, so nobody said anything to us. And I was like, Nancy, I was like, this is so helpful. How did you know to do this? And she's like, oh. She said, I lost my daughter in a fire. And nobody would talk to me about it because nobody knew what to say. And she took the comfort that she had received and she passed it on to me. And you know, about a year after we had lost our our baby there, Dave and Ginger Whedon lost theirs, members of our church there in in South Bend. And you know what? I got to go sit with Dave and Ginger. I said, yeah, you know what? Let me ask you, Let's let's talk about it in this process of comfort being passed on and being passed on and being passed on. And that's what God does with our, with, with our troubles to make them matter. He, he lets us be part of this comforting process. And that really leads us to this last point. When we experience God's comfort, it gives us the opportunity to participate in the divine. And as I mentioned before, it doesn't really tell us that, how God comforts us, but it does give us a hint. Because right at the end here, Paul says, just like you've been praying for me, Keep praying. And the hint here is in the fact that we can be part of this divine process of comforting others in that we sh- when we share the comfort that we receive, but we can also be part of this process when we pray for others too. In this room this morning, I'll just promise you there's people who are struggling. There are people who need comforting. There are people right now whose pain score is off the charts. There are also people sitting in this room that you've been through that. You know what that feels like. And maybe you're at the other side of that now, but you could be helpful to those who are sitting there. This is your opportunity. This is why community is so important. This is why we do things like small groups at the church. This is why we have care groups, why elders are in touch with you to say, hey, what's going on in your life? How can we pray for you? Because we need to be comforting one another, too. So to wrap this up, we want to look at this idea of hardship and affliction and turn it upside down. We want to look at this idea of comfort and we want to turn that upside down, too, because as we look at those things, we kind of look up at them from our vantage point here on earth. But God actually looks down on them from his vantage point in heaven. And our struggle is because we then are actually looking at things upside down. And we struggle a little bit with the Thatcher effect in our life. And we struggle with this whole idea of affliction. Like, oh, get it away from me. Get it as far away from me as you can get. I don't want troubles. I don't want problems. I just want to be comfortable. And God says, no, no, no. I have a different perspective from where I'm looking. Yeah, it's going to be hard. But in this hardness, you're going to grow In this discomfort, you're going to make progress that you never would make. In this discomfort, you're going to even be able to help others in this process. In this discomfort, this affliction, this hardship, it can become worthwhile. And even in this hardship, in this affliction, there can be an upside. So, embrace the reality of hardship troubles, affliction. It's going to come, and it can actually have some benefit. It can be actually helpful, and it can be hopeful. Secondly, find comfort in the right place. We chase comfort a lot in our lives, but the comfort that we can find is in the person of Jesus Christ. Seek comfort in him. And then thirdly, Use your discomfort or your pain or wherever it is in between those two extremes. Use that to help somebody else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning as the God of comfort. We don't necessarily know how you comfort us, but we know that you do. And for so many of us, we have experienced that comfort. God, for your Christ followers this morning in this room who are really up there on the pain scale, I pray that you would bring comfort to them, encouragement. I pray that you would remind them that you are in it with them. You suffer with them. You suffer for them. That's who you are. And if you're suffering this morning, maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with God. God, okay, God, just comfort me. But it's also a conversation of God, grow me the way that you want me to grow. And use this situation, even in my life, to be helpful to somebody else. Maybe there's that conversation that you need to have with God about this thing, of this idea of comfort. Maybe this morning you're not a Christ follower. You don't even know exactly what that means. Jesus came and he died on the cross and he suffered for your sins, but he suffered for your pain too. And he enters into the pain of life. And he took it on himself. And so when we suffer pain, he brings comfort in his place. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can invite him into your life. Simple conversation between you and him. Jesus, I believe that you came. You died on the cross for my sin and for my pain. Please come into my life, forgive me. Please come into my life and comfort me. That's what he wants to do. If you've never made that decision, you have questions about that idea of following Christ, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Say something to me. I'd love to have that conversation. God, I'm so grateful for the fact that you are a God of comfort. That even while we go through these hard times, you promise to not just go through us with us, but to comfort us in all of them, to cover with overflowing comfort. With comfort that's more than capable. With comfort that never ends. With comfort that is more than. We praise you for that this morning. We praise all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us as we conclude this morning?